Info. Good morning and welcome to the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Alexander, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, between two of us, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you may have. Just give us a call. Our number is 291-6901. And use the area code here in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, which is 225. You can reach us from anywhere inside the continental United States this morning. There you go. Sure wish you would. Always enjoy hearing from folks all around the town, all around the country. Even all around the world. Yeah, wherever you may be. <laughs> if you want to get up at that time morning. There you go. Just got to get there. Or evening. Depending on where you are. That's it. <laughs> just give us a call. It, you know, we always try to come up with some kind of a topic or just some kind of a general format for uh-huh. the show, but you're never limited to that. You can call any question you may have, anything that's on your mind, anything that's bugging you. There you go. Something. We're bright and bushy-tailed and ready to answer right <laughs> well, now. Well, I wouldn't go quite that far. Oh, come on now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll definitely muddle through it. All you, right. You some kind of answer there. Yeah, last week, we were talking a little bit about air conditioning and uh-huh. all, and I got a lot of calls. Uh, actually, email? Email. We got a lot of calls to shop as well for people wanting work done on different stuff. But you know, this time of year when it's just so, so, so hot, mm-hmm. that air conditioning probably consumes about 50% of the output of the shop. Right. And it's generally almost an emergency job every time it comes in because in South Louisiana where it's routinely 90s yeah even, 90 plus. even into the hundreds and humidity up 80 90 even higher percent mm-hmm. it's very 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 difficult to get around without air conditioning it, it's doable but like you said it's extremely difficult it is and particularly if you have a job where you're required to dress sure you know if you got a t-shirt and cutoffs on it's not quite so bad but if you have to wear a jacket or a jacket and tie maybe you're a salesman or whatever right some of the ladies who have to wear uh, dresses or whatever it's very 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 uncomfortable and cars today aren't really like they were many years ago where you had vents and all that kind of stuff most cars now are designed to be climate controlled right. and there's really nothing other than that so like many houses now a lot of kind like on my house a lot of the windows don't even open mm-hmm. they're just fixed windows houses designed to be climate controlled so it's not something in many cases that you can get by without right and certainly it's never something you can comfortably <laughs> <laughs> hey that's the key word comfortably go wild. but we're going to talk about All that right. a little bit we're going to go back to, go go to our phone lines we got curtis online good morning curtis good morning yes sir hey i've got a, a 2008 chevy tahoe uh-huh. and i put a new battery in it in may mm-hmm. um and uh two nights ago two days ago got up to turn it it wouldn't start jumped it off fine went and had the battery tested starter tested and alternator tested mm-hmm. they all tested good okay uh, rest of the day the car ran fine got tried to get in it yesterday morning same thing it wouldn't turn over okay so i jumped it off it ran fine mm-hmm. and uh same thing this morning went to get in it wouldn't start there was no lights left on there was nothing plugged in right there seems to be something running in the background could very well be right now let me ask you this curtis when you when it didn't start mm-hmm. what did you do to get it started you jumped it off in each occurrence yeah i just jumped it off and it started right up okay and, and then after you jumped it off did you try to start it again yep, immediately it started, it started fine start right up i tell you the very first thing i would do and this is not necessarily what is wrong but this is the first thing i would look at that you got a group 48 battery in that i'm not sure top terminal yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So that's a Group Forty Eight battery. The negative terminal on that battery is absolutely notorious. It wasn't properly crimped when they came from GM. Okay. And a lot of times, if it uh, the way you can kind of tell, next time it does it, go out there and kind of wiggle that negative wire in the terminal. 
Yeah. And if it immediately starts, you need to have that terminal replaced. Okay. And when I say replaced, I don't mean where you cut it off, put one of those little clamp-on things from the parts store. That's worse than nothing at all. If you can find someone who can crimp a factory in back on it, that's what you want ideally. If you can't, you're going to need to replace the cable because those little bolt-on ends are absolutely useless. But okay. what that does is kind of a double whammy. Number one, it cuts. It has high resistance, so it cuts the current going to the starter, but it also cuts the charge going back to the battery. We right. have fixed a lot of those vehicles just by replacing that terminal. Now, beyond that, there's two more possibilities. One is that the starter is not working properly, and the way you could test for that, next time it does it, turn the key all the way to start where it's just click, 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 click. Reach over yeah. and hit the horn button. If the horn still blows at full power, then you've probably got enough battery power there. It's just the starter's not turning. If okay. the horn kind of you know, barely blows, then it probably is a weak battery. Now, if it is a weak battery, it's just like you said. That's called a parasitic draw. And there's just so many things that can cause that. On the later model GMs, sometimes the, the seat control module can have a fault in it, and it can stay on, and it is energizing all the other computers and they sit there and run we i know we've done that repair a lot right. almost any module in there that stays awake when it should go to sleep is going to ping all the other computers and keep them all awake and so it's going to just you know kill the battery overnight the way you have to test for that is you're going to have to take the battery terminal off and get a milliamp meter and hook between the, one of the terminals and the battery that measures the draw after you turn everything off okay and that needs to be five hundredths of an amp or less now, okay. when you first turn it off, it may be higher, but you have to wait a little while because it takes a little while for all this stuff to go to sleep. Sometimes up to an hour, depending on the, the module. Yeah, it can be up to an hour. But if after, say, an hour, and really normally after about 15 minutes, it hadn't dropped down to less than 500 of an amp, you have a parasitic draw, something staying on. And there's so many things in there that can do that. I had one, the OnStar, was keeping yeah. it awake. I had another one, the guy had a satellite radio, and he had cut the subscription to his radio but what he didn't realize, that satellite was still pinging that thing, trying to find where it was because it wasn't subscribed anymore, and it kept waking up the system. We, so yeah. we've seen those little um, insurance deals that plug into the OBD2, OBD2 connect- connector. Can, they will cause a draw sometimes. Yes. So Okay. First now, off, the other, go ahead. The other, the other thing, we were all riding in the car with, with it running. We didn't have, we, all we had was the air conditioner. We didn't have the stereo or anything on. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't hear, but my daughter said they could hear like a high pitch frequency. They could hear something. Yeah, well, most of the time, if it's engine related, like if you speed the engine up, it goes up and down with the speed of the engine. Yeah. The most common thing is a fault in the alternator. That uh, will cause an alternator whine. And for some reason, women can hear it and men can't. Women just have a higher pitch hearing. Yeah. I'm some, like, I don't some men can, but some can't. Right. But, yeah, now, see, if you got a fault in your alternator, it can also discharge back through the alternator. The alternator may be producing. You know, you when you check an alternator, if you just go to, like, a parts store, they're going to check output. Okay, well, right. that's great, except what they're not checking is, like, the diodes and all that. That's allowing it to chart, to discharge when you turn it off because yeah. the well, diode is like a one-way valve. Yeah, I recently replaced the alternator, and the alternator that was on there was the original. Were you and having I- that problem before you put the new alternator I was having that same problem before I put the alternator okay. on. Okay. 
Because most of the time, an alternate, a noise like that, that high-pitched whine that goes with the speed of the engine is going to be the alternator. It's, it's a noise. In, you could have a defective alternator, too. That, that happens a lot with rebuilt alternators. So right. that's a number of things to check. But the first off, the cheapest would be that negative term. I, I just do that first off. If that's okay. not the problem right now, it's going to be a problem, right. I can tell you, because every yeah. one of them do go out. That's cheap, gotcha. easy, fast, and sometimes fixes the problem. The okay. secondary thing, like I said, make sure that you can if you can blow the horn at full intensity when you got it in crank position it's probably right. not the batter it's probably not getting enough current to the starter the starter is is bad and that can also cause that it sounds exactly like a battery third thing would be a parasitic draw of some right. sort and that's so going to be much more difficult you're almost going to have to take that to a professional to find it for you yeah so if it doesn't start again put the key in turn it turn start it to start, to start and hold it to start and hit the horn and see if the horn if the horn's still blowing wide open you probably yeah. got battery you just don't okay. have start yeah okay all righty hey thank you Lewis. bye curse thanks man all right bye all right two nine one sixty nine oh one is the number if you're only part of the automotive hour we're gonna go back to the lines with kenny good morning kenny uh yes sir i have a 2006 lincoln town car mm-hmm. and it seems to have some type of parasitic battery drain i put a new battery in it mm-hmm. and i put a new alternator in it mm-hmm. and that seemed to fix the problem for about a week well it just covered it up see a new battery yeah. can deal with it you know it's got much more reserve so even though it's drawing down it can deal with it, it can recover a lot faster an old battery can't so it just covered the yeah. problem up it didn't fix it yeah so i had that new alternator tested mm-hmm. and it Test it out as having a bad diode. Right. right? Mm-hmm. That will take a battery down. That will definitely do it. And so that wasn't an OEM alternator. Right. It was, right. Wasn't so I said, well, I'm going I'm to put an OEM right. alternator in and, you know, be done with it. Mm-hmm. So I'll put the new OEM alternator right. in it. That seems to seem to fix the problem for a few more days. Yeah. And then it came back. Yeah. Well, most likely, you do have some sort of a parasitic draw on there, Kenny. And again, that is probably beyond the capability of most do-it-yourselfers to find. But if you want to try, just like I was talking to the earlier gentleman, just take the battery terminal off, hook a milliamp meter between the two terminals, and you can't have more than five hundredths of a milliamp of draw. Some of the most common things we've seen on the Lincolns is the, what they call the gym module, the general electronics module. will hang up on them, and it'll keep certain things on that you may or may not be able to see. Seat heater module will Seat stay Seat heater module will go out. And believe it or not, we've had a number of Lincoln Town cars where the dash, the instrument cluster, is staying on. I had one not too, too long ago. We had to change the instrument cluster in it. So anything basically that keeps power on, most of that stuff's electronic. It's not hard switched. It's soft switched. It, it times out and goes off or is supposed to when anything goes wrong in that soft switching system it may just stay on or even wake up when it shouldn't and it's going to end up killing a battery okay so you said the gym module maybe that is one of the most common things yes sir okay i appreciate it all righty thank you thanks call me bye-bye all right we'll take our first quick little break be right back with a whole lot more Kate, we can shop tomorrow. I'm off to AGCO for my car's general inspection. I take it once a year so the team at AGCO can catch any potential problems before they become huge repairs down the road. You know, things like small rattles and shakes can become issues and you never can be too... A general inspection each year would be great for my marriage. 
Kate, thanks for bringing David in for his general inspection. Overall, he's in pretty good shape for an older model. I replaced his sensitivity regulator, which was getting a little worn. His not listening to my partner and leave the seat up lights were both about to come on, so I fixed that. As far as preventive maintenance, more fiber, less beer, and watch his portion control, especially on the weekends. And thank goodness for Agco. Kate? Kate, are you listening? Yeah, yeah, sorry. Sounds like a general inspection from Agco can improve my marriage. I I mean vehicle. Uh, Improve my vehicle. Keep your car on the road longer. Schedule your general inspection today at Agco Automotive. Agco, it's the place to go. Hey, welcome back to the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Altazan, with Mr. Brian Terry. If you got a question or comment, you give us a call. Our number is 291-6901, and we sure appreciate you calling. We were talking about air conditioning initially, and then we uh-huh. got a couple of calls on batteries, and it does bring up a number of good points. You know, batteries generally do not fail so much in the summer. They fail more in the winter. Right. And because a battery is a chemical reaction, like most chemical reactions, heat will speed the reaction up. And cold will slow it down. Cold will slow it down. So let's say a battery is producing 75% output, and output of a battery is optimized for around 80 degrees. That's uh-huh. where they're designed to operate. So let's say it's got 75% of its capacity at 80 degrees. Well, if it's 100, 110 degrees under the hood, it may still put out 100%. All right. But it's using that battery up really, really fast. And it's actually only 75%. It's just that the heat is it's allowing the, it to act like it's better than it is. Mm-hmm. It's speeding the reaction up, which is consuming the battery even faster. Now, what happens is the first cool day where it drops down below 80 degrees, now it goes not only to the 75% it would have been. Let's say it goes down to 60 degrees. Well, now it's going to lose maybe another 10 or 15%. Well, now you got a battery at, say, 50%. Right. That's when it's going to show up dead. And that's why the old wives' tale, it's always, well, you know, the cold weather killed the battery. Well, no, the cold weather just revealed, revealed the, the battery. Problem. The hot weather technically killed it, right. but the cold weather just revealed it. And when you put a new battery with almost any situation, let's say you got a parasitic draw or you got an alternator that's not charging, if you put a brand-new battery, it's probably going to work okay for about a week because sure. that brand-new battery has a lot of a reserve, reserve capacity. It can run off the battery for a while. Mm-hmm. I always compare it to people like a checking account. If you continue to write checks and don't make any deposits, you're not going to go bankrupt right away. Right. Depending how much money you got in the account. If you got a good bit of money, you might be able to do that for a while. But eventually and inevitably, you're going to start run out. Run out of money. And it's the same exact thing with the alternator. If you're not putting those deposits back into the battery and you're drawing the checks out, which is the load of the car, eventually, inevitably the battery right. will go dead. So let's go back to our phone lines. Is it Snooky? Good morning. Hey, how are Good you morning. morning? Not too bad. I've got a question that I'm sure every set of ears that's listening has, but may be afraid to ask. Okay. What's up with the music? Oh, that's the Mardi Gras music. <laughs> <laughs> the big band. Well, yeah. they had a little bit of a snafu in the studio this morning, and they loaded the wrong stuff. But, yeah, next week oh. the big band stuff will be back. <laughs> so, it's, so it's on Chuck. I got you. There you go. We're going to blame it on Chuck. <laughs> I known. He's throwing his hands up in the He's other room. He's throwing his hands up in the air. <laughs> All right. Thank you. All right, All right man. Good. Thank you. Bye-bye. Yeah, I didn't think anybody. I, I, thought, I thought we were going to sneak I, that by. I know, right? There you go. <laughs> 
Let's go back to the phone lines with Stacy. Good morning, Stacy. Good morning. I have a question. I have a 2015 Ford Fiesta. Uh-huh. I had the battery replaced last night. Mm-hmm. After I cranked it up, it gave me an indication that said transmission malfunction, and then it also gave me a service light indicator. Mm-hmm. And it also seems as though it's taken a little longer to shift into gears. Yeah, what's going to do that? See, when you disconnect the battery, it's going to lose all the adaptive learns. Or if the battery went dead in the process. Or the battery went dead before. Right. When it disconnected the battery, or if it went dead before, it's going to lose all those adaptive learns. So now the transmission has no data. And one of two things, Stacy, either it just lost its adaptive learns, in which case it will relearn and it'll clear up in a period of time. The other possibility, if anything went wrong when they disconnected the battery or if they accidentally bumped the battery backwards or anything like that, that could have caused damage. I just have no way to know that. But assuming everything went straight forward and so on, then the transmission should relearn. A few transmissions, you do have to go in and relearn those adaptive shifts. They won't do it on its own. But most of them, if you just drive it normally, it will clear up. It still idles okay. It's not dying on you or anything. No, it's not. Okay. Well, it's probably already learned idle, and they can learn that pretty fast. Mm -hmm. I would probably just drive it around a few days and see if it goes away. If it does not, then you're going to need to take it to a shop and have them clear the adaptive learns and relearn them. They can do that with a scan tool. It's because the transmission learns the way you drive. When you disconnect the battery, it lost all that. Now, that's presupposed that nothing went wrong during the battery installation. If that's the case, it's not going to go away, and, and you just have to diagnose that you know as to what it was okay all right thanks so much all right man. you're welcome thank you have a great day all right. bye-bye right. all right 291-6901 is the number if you want to be part of the automotive right, we'd love to have you you know we see that a lot when a battery goes dead or gets disconnected for some reason mm-hmm. you lose all your adaptive learn which as you drive the vehicle it learns how you drive yeah, most people are it, not aware it's even occurring right it happens all underground and you don't know it's there, but it does. Yeah, it's learning the way you drive. It's learning the way it idles. It's learning whether you make power, whether you want economy, and all those sorts of things. There's also more and more, as cars get more and more advanced, they have a lot of data that they have to store to make right. all the stuff work right. And what happens when you disconnect a battery, you basically clear all that out. You lose it all. Mm-hmm. And so there's a number of things like some of your Toyota and Lexus products, the windows may not roll up and down properly with the remote. Or the sunroof. Or the sunroof may, may not, not work. work properly because it has to relearn the home position. Mm-hmm. And you have to go in and do that. I know some of your cars, like some of your European cars, BMWs, for instance, may lose quite a bit right. of, like, the trash control light may come on, and you're going to have to go in and have all that reprogrammed. And... One thing that we all have always recommended, particularly in South, like South Louisiana, where it's so hot, we recommend replacing a battery every three years. Sure. Because the average age of a battery is about 36 months, slightly less, less when it's hot. If you replace your battery before it dies, you can avoid all these issues sure. because they can jump on the battery when they change it. Keep power keep to the Keep power system. to everything. Replace the battery, and you don't have all these issues. Not only that, but... You are alleviating the inconvenience of a dead battery, which can right. be a big deal. Depending on what uh, situation. Well, your situation. Right. Let's say you're a lady. You work late at night, and you're in a parking garage somewhere getting off work at 10, 11 o'clock at night, 1 o'clock in the morning, whatever. Get out there, and the car won't start. That can be a really, really bad situation. Sure. So let's say a really good battery costs $90. 
if it lasts three years, it's just thirty dollars a year to start the car. Right now, if you push it four years, it's twenty five dollars a year to start the car. So you saved what five, five bucks? Five bucks, yeah. For the aggravation, if you've ever had a dead battery, you know what we're talking about. Yeah, I mean, it's just not really worth it to just go ahead and change it before it dies on you. Not only that, but when a battery does fail, it fails. Some of them just they're good one minute dead the next. Right. But a lot of them die in a more subtle way. They just start to lose capacity and all. What that does is forces the alternator to work much harder. Sure, because it has so, to maintain that set, that voltage for everything to operate correctly. Right, and you can take a battery, let's say a $100 battery, and turn it into a $1,200 alternator. Sure. Because some alternators today, if you start pricing, we put one on a vehicle the other day, the alternator was $800, and it was about four hours' labor to change it. Right. You take the bumper, the radiator, and everything else out to get some, to it. Some of them are right on top some of the easy. engine, real easy to change. Some of them I've seen buried down in the back underneath on the bottom of the motor all the way in the back, mm -hmm. and you've got to drop the suspension out right. to get to them. So the point is, if you can if you can head that off before it goes dead, right. increase the life of your alternator, increase the life of your starter, decrease other electrical problems by replacing a battery a little bit sooner, you know, why wouldn't you do that? Right. And there's just don't wait until it leaves you straight. You know at three years you've gotten you've the got majority all, yeah. of life out. Yeah. There's a handful that'll go four years. Sure. But there's also some of the diet too. But the majority of them last somewhere around three years. And so I know on my car, I just replace it at three years. When I get to three years, I've got my money's worth. I'm happy. If you want the old battery, come get it. I'll give it to you. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you can go ahead and roll those dice. I'm not going to do it. It's just not enough money to be saved for the risk I'm taking. Exactly. And so, you know, that's just a way you can avoid problems with that or, or lessen your problem lessen, you, you yeah. can't always avoid it let's say the alternator just decides to go south well right. the battery's going to die sure or let's say the battery just dies and some of them do i mean i've seen a perfectly good battery name brand everything working properly and it just dies it's like people you know some right. of them are just kicking along they keel over 30 years old other ones live to be 100 i mean batteries don't all live the same amount so all you can do is go by an average at three years the odds get much, much, much higher that it's going to go further, and the cost goes up. It's mm -hmm. just cheaper to replace to go ahead and it, do it before it dies. Sure. Particularly if you have one of the newer cars where you may have to reset the steering angles and reset all these different factors because you can have to take it to a shop, and they're not going to do that for free. No. No, that's at least an hour yes. uh, worth of labor to go in and relearn most of those systems. All that kind of stuff. And you, you get to a situation where if you lose idle on many cars it's learned idle over a period of time right and let's say the throttle body has been getting dirty over this period well it's been adapting to that and what happens if the battery dies and you take it out when you hook it back up now it won't idle and it can't relearn idle because the throttle body's dirty so the throttle blade is not going all the way to the return position so it's not seeing home position it may not be able to learn and so, therefore, you're going around with the car dying, idling up, down, crazy, and all that kind of stuff. You have to take the throttle by, clean it before it can learn again. Exactly. So, hey, we're going to take our second quick little break. Be right back with a lot more. Welcome. I am the great fondue, automobile fortune teller. Sit. 
I'm hoping you can tell me if I have any big car repairs looming in my future. Ah, I see you among many cars, stopping and going. Yeah, Baton Rouge traffic. Now you're making a left turn. Hands ten and two. Nice form. Uh, thanks? Now you're stopped at a light. Look, you're just naming things I do every day. I want to know if my car is going to break down anytime soon. If you're hoping to gaze into your car's future, Agco suggests bringing in your vehicle once a year for a general inspection. Agco gives you an honest opinion on the maintenance needed to keep your car running and save you money on big repairs in the future. Craig Fondue, you should try another profession instead of a car fortune teller. Well, I was a mechanic at one of those quickie lube places, and believe me, I'm actually a better fortune teller. Well, that's scary. Keep your car on the road longer. Schedule your general inspection today at Agco Automotive. Agco, it's the place to go. Hey, welcome back to his joints, the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Alvin, with Mr. Brian Terry. We sure appreciate you spending Saturday morning with us. Hey, you got a question or comment? Just give us a call. Our number is 291-6901. Always got lines wide open waiting on you. That's it. And should you happen to miss your prime opportunity this morning to get your questions answered live, you can get your questions answered any time of the day or week day of the week that's right any time of the day just go to our website which is agcoauto.com that is a g c o a u t o there's a contact bar on each and every page just click the button fill out the little form that pops up and send it on in there you go couldn't be any easier than that be always glad to respond to you get it back to you within 24 hours sometimes a whole lot faster just depends, depends on time of day and where i happen to be <laughs> in in relation to my computer there you go we were talking today about air conditioning and air conditioning problems, and then we kind of got sidetracked on batteries. Uh-huh. But, you know, there is a correlation between those two topics that I'd just like to mention, and that is a weak battery can also cause air conditioning problems. Sure it can. We had a Ford pickup one time, and it just would not cool adequately. Uh-huh. And the gentleman had spent an inordinate amount of money on this air conditioner. I mean, he had dropped about $1,500 on stuff he didn't need and possibly even stuff that made it worse but the air conditioning it would work okay on a cool day but right. on a hot day it just wouldn't keep up and what i noticed was the pressures on the system looked good you know it should have been cooling mm-hmm. but the air coming out of the blower was about 60 degrees which it ought to be down in the high 40s right. so it was not cooling well enough what we found if i blocked off the two heater hoses it would go ahead and drop down to 40. So the air was reheating. Mm-hmm. So I suspected possibly an actuator, but there were no codes or anything for the actuators. And when I went in, I noticed that the memory for the actuators was all skewed up. So what we found was, long story short, the battery was weak. It was still adequate to start the car sure. because 8 volts will generally start a car. But it was dropping to about 10 volts when you crank the car. That was upsetting the memory on the actuators and they weren't fully opening and closing like they should so what would happen the research actually was allowing hot air to keep keep getting ducted in it wasn't closing completely off and the temperature actuator wasn't closing the temperature door completely so even though the ac was working perfectly it couldn't get the cold because it was reheating right and that ac may be 48 degrees but that engine is 220 degrees right the heat's gonna take the over. heat's gonna win right <laughs> so anyway we put a new battery in the car never had any more trouble but it just goes to show you how weird little stuff like that. And his battery was about three years old. Right. So just don't overlook what can happen right. you know, with, with some of this weird stuff. 
We're going back to our phone lines with John. Good morning, John. I have a 2001 uh, GMC Sierra. Okay. Mm-hmm. And in the last week, I've lost the fan speeds. Okay. Two, three, and four mm-hmm. progressively. You know, it went out on two, put it on three, it went out, went on four, it went out. Okay. Now I'm using five, which is going to go wide open. Hurricane blowing. Five is wide open, and the way that system works is it has a series of resistors that the voltage runs through to determine the speeds on the fan. So two goes through a certain set of resistors, three goes through a certain set, four goes through a certain set. But when you get to five, five bypasses the resistor pack altogether. So it it delivers 12 volts or battery voltage to the fan motor. So that's why five is working and the rest of them are. So what is happening is that these resistors are burning out one after another. Now, the reason that's occurring, John, and you got to be real careful when you start trying to fix this, is the blower motor is probably gotten old. It's drawing way too many amps. That blower motor is supposed to be pulling about 5 to 7 amps. It's probably pulling about 15 to 20, which is what happens when they get old. may still work fine, but it's drawing too many amps. So it starts burning up these resistors. Now, the resistor is probably the weakest link, so that's what's going to pop first. If you decide to just keep on driving, what it's going to do is going to burn up the control panel. It's going to burn up the wiring harness. It's going to burn up everything in the truck until it just doesn't work at all, and you can have about a $2,000 repair bill pulling the dash out to fix this so what you got to do not only you have to change the resistor pack to change the problem now if you just go put a resistor pack it's going to last about a month and it's going to do the same thing again you're going to need to replace that blower motor because that's what's driving all the problems and you need to do it soon because if you keep running on on five speed it's just bypassing that but it's going to start melting all the connectors and burning up the control heads and all that kind of right, stuff right because the fan is still drawing the same amount of amperage it's In drawing, fact, it's drawing more because you're running wide open right it's drawing too much and it will overtake the wiring and the connectors and, like oh, yeah. Lewis said, the control I've had panel. them come in, whole wiring horns on right. the dash is melted. I see. Okay, thank you. All right. You're welcome. Bye-bye. All right, 291-6901 is the number. If you want to be part of the automotive, I would love to have you. And, you know, that was a pretty common problem back early 2000s right. all the way up to, what, 07 or 08, I believe. I don't remember exactly remember when, when it, they when made ended. that better, but they got away from the resistor pack and went to a module but still had the same problem. It was right. an electronic module rather than physical resistors like they used to have, but, but it would f- burn up the connector. It would burn up right. the connector at the module and the module itself, but people would go in, they'd change the connector, or they'd and the go module. in and change the module. Well, it would occur again. Sure. And what they never dawned on them was that the blower motor is pulling too many amps. Well, they were fixing the symptom, not the problem. That's exactly right. That happens all so often. People will go in, they'll fix one thing, but you're fixing the symptom of the problem. You're mm-hmm. not addressing the, the problem. problem. And if you don't get to the root cause of the problem, it will happen again. It'll happen again, generally worse. Right. It, it just keeps getting worse and worse and worse because the motor's drawing more and more amperage. But yeah, if you take and put an amp meter on that motor, you can measure the amperage it's drawing and you can see what's going on there. I've also seen where a extremely dirty cabin air filter can cause that blocks the flow of air so the blower motor is trying to work harder and drawing too much amperage right but that thing is designed to work in a very very narrow limited range and newer they get the more narrow that range is the wiring and everything is sized it's precisely adequate for the task barely adequate and there's no extra. They're yeah. not going to put a number 12 wire where a number 16 wire would work. Right. They're going to put the smallest possible wire they can get by with for the amp draw that it has. That it's supposed to have. And what happens if you took and took those two leads and touched them together, a dead short, mm-hmm. it would pop the fuse. Sure. But when you just have a motor that is straining, it is a slow draw, 
and it's not going to pop the fuse. It's not that quick surge. It's mm-hmm. that slow draw. It's sort of like if you remember the houses way back, I guess late 60s, early 70s, they were putting aluminum wiring in them. Right. And the aluminum, what it would do is it would heat, cool, heat, cool. It would smash down and get a bad connection, which would raise resistance. It would not blow the breaker. It would eventually it would, get hot enough. It would catch on fire and burn the house down. Sure. Because a slow increase in dr- amperage doesn't pop, pop fuse, fuse or breaker. It's just going to burn, start burning stuff up. But anytime you see electrical components failing like that, always look at what that circuit is controlling. Right. And if you don't, you can end up with the same problem over and over again. And like I said, that's a fairly common problem on that particular vehicle. So that, that's a pretty easy diagnosis. It's not that difficult to change. You no, know, the, the resistor and the blower motor are right there. Right within there each together. Other. Yes. Uh, be sure you check the connector because a lot of times it'll melt the connector. You have in. to look at that connector very, very carefully. Get your reading glasses out. Get a magnifying glass. Look at it real carefully. And if the plastic is sort of melted at all, right. If the terminal is starting to rust at or, all, or turn brown, getting hot. If they're loose, you know, they're not clamping on tight. Exactly. Then go ahead and change, change the connector also because lot, those connectors will burn up pretty frequently also we probably change as many connectors as we do right and I'm, I'm surprised how many of those connectors are available most of them most of them are available more and more and more you can get connectors because connectors fail a lot these days they do and we fix a lot of problems just, just by changing the connectors yep i know very often you'll get a code where let's say you'll get an auction sensor code and inevitably somebody goes to a parts store and they tell them it's the auction sensor so they buy a junk oxygen sensor put that on there still got the same code well they come in and it's the connector was bad not mm-hmm. the sensor at all and if they got their old oxygen sensor you can put it back on it works fine if not you change the connector but now this oxygen sensor is really not arranged because the junk <laughs> exactly you know white box part so now you got to change the oxygen sensor and the connector right but the original problem was the connector and not the oxygen sensor right it doesn't know that the sensor is bad it just knows it that just knows it's the not, circuit's being right. interrupted and right. that's why you can't take those codes literally it's gonna when the computer doesn't see that oxygen sensor it's just gonna throw an o2 code well, o2 circuit code. that's the way the engineer wrote the software right. now that doesn't mean the o2 sensor is bad it exactly. could be the connector it could be a wire it could be could any be a ground number of circuit things. off the computer. It could be a yeah. ground. It could be the computer itself is bad. Sure, and it just doesn't gone. see it. The driver has gone bad and it just doesn't see it. So that's why you can never just take those codes literally. But this happens quite often where connectors and all go bad. I know, like on the Chevy pickups, the five point three, where the knock sensors set a code. Right. There's two knock sensors and they're under the intake manifold, and there's a little connector on, and it sets a circuit code. You can't tell which sensor. It just sets a circuit code for the two Noxus because they're tied in series. And what we do on that generally is change both sensors and the connector simply because those sensors are relatively inexpensive. The connector is relatively inexpensive. And the labor to get to them is... You've got to pull the entire intake back off. Exactly. So there's no way to tell which one it might be. Generally, the sensors are pretty rusty because it holds water in that area. You go in, you create a little dam in front of it where the water doesn't get to the sensor anymore. Replace both sensors and the connector just because you're there. Sure. And it's less expensive to do that. Than have to go be. back and do it right. again. Let's say you change one sensor. One and sensor. And next week, the other sensor goes out. Well, now you're pulling the intake manifold back off again. And should you happen not to change the harness while you're there, you may be doing it again. Well, it may come back on immediately. It may come on two weeks later. It may come on a month later. But the thing is, you're talking roughly three hours labor to pull the intake plus, plus a, a set, set of gaskets. intake gaskets. Right. Why not just go ahead and change it all while you're there? 
because there's really no way to determine, determine exactly which, which component is causing the problem. Sure. You know, because they're all right there together. So in that case, it's just way wise just to go ahead and replace all the components in the area. Yep. Hey, we're going to go ahead and take one more quick little break. We'll be right back with a whole lot more. So, Madame Babushka, you can tell if my brand new bow and mirror are a good match? Yes. As I gaze into my crystal ball, I see him over a grill. And now he's on a couch watching football, eating a large plate of meat. Meat? Yes, no veggies. Now I see him on a boat, fishing, and then on a deer stand. Fishing and hunting? Yes, I'm afraid so. Wouldn't it be great if you could look into your car's future to see the road ahead? At AGCO, you can. Take your car to AGCO once a year for a general inspection. It's the best way to catch any potential problems that could lead to bigger repairs down the road. Ah, it looks like all this man wants to do is watch sports, hunt, fish, and grill. Oh, Madame Babushka, I love all those things. He sounds perfect. Thank you so much. Huh, c'est la vie. My work here is done. Keep your car on the road longer. Schedule your general inspection today at Agco Automotive. Agco, it's the place to go. Welcome back to the final segment of the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Alvazan, president of Agco Automotive. Got our lead tech, Mr. Brian Terry, right here by my side. Hey, between tools, we'll try to answer any automotive question you may have. Still got a few minutes. Give us a call, 291-6901. There you go. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I got to say about that. Uh-huh. There you go. We were talking about just various different things from, from batteries to what air have you. And to... air conditioning. You know, one of the biggest problems we see with air conditioners today, particularly on higher mileage vehicles, and I'm talking higher mileage, up to 120, 140,000 miles on them, they'll stop cooling, and you go in, and the system's low mm-hmm. on the refrigerant. So what some shops will do is they'll recharge it and look for a leak. They don't see a leak. Right. Give it back to the customer, and anywhere from a week to six months later, it quits cooling again. And what it is, it's leaking at the evaporator core. Right. Those leaks can be very, very difficult to find. Well, for the mere fact that the evaporator is inside a case underneath the dash of the vehicle. Right. It's extremely hard to get to you if cannot you can see get it. to it well, at all. you can't get to it at all, and a lot you can't of times, see it. Well, a lot of times you can pull the blower motor out, mm-hmm. and you can reach in there with a sniffer and get to, to part of it. But right. You, you can't see the whole evaporator right. without taking it the case out and taking it apart and taking the evaporator out of the case. Of course, you're going to eat up probably an hour oh. and a half, two hours worth of diagnostic time doing At least. that. Generally, what I do, if we know the history of the car, and we know that it is one that is prone to evaporate a car is going out, right? we will generally recharge. I have to charge it to test it anyway. Say, okay, let's see how long this lasts. Because it's most likely the evaporator core. I can tell you conclusively, but you're going to pay me a hundred and something dollars right. to tell you what you're going to know anyway pretty shortly. Let's say it quits cooling again in a week's time. I'm going to put some dye in the system. At that point, we'll be able to spot it real easy. Let's say it lasts six months. Well, for some people, six months is all they need. Sure. They may be intending on getting rid of the car. It may be close to the end of its life anyway. Evaporator job is a big, big, big job. Well, and not only that, it may be the middle of summer when you check it. By the time it runs out of refrigerant, the weather's cooled off. 
yeah, no, no they, longer need for They it. might want to defray until next summer. So right. there are various ways to go about it. But what happens with these evaporator cores, at some point in time, the EPA decided that too much refrigerant was getting expelled into the sure. atmosphere. So they started leaning on the auto manufacturers to reduce the size of the systems in cars. And they did a really good job of this in that they went from probably a five-pound system down to about a one-pound system. Right. So you've got 20% as much refrigerant doing just as much cooling. Now, the way they did that is by going in one of the ways they went did that is they went to a very complex evaporator core. Multiple, multiple passes, and it's a pretty involved assembly. Now, the drawback to that is all these little joints and tubes and all that are a pretty rigid little assembly. They're sitting in a car. It's windows up. It's 140 degrees in this car. That means that evaporator core is 140 degrees. Sure. You get in, you crank it up, and 34-degree refrigerant hits this 140-degree piece of aluminum. Right. Well, what happens, you're going from a very expanded piece of metal down to a much contracted piece of metal almost instantly. That constant cycle of expanding and contracting, expanding and contracting, what happens with any piece of metal if you, you sit keep bending it back and, and forth? Back and forth, back and forth. Eventually it cracks. It will inevitably crack, and that's sort of what happens with these things. I know I was talking to some air conditioning guys, and they said, oh, it's acid getting into the system. It's eating a hole in the core, and that just didn't make sense to me. How could so many – where was the acid coming from? Right, because there's none in the system. Right, it's a sealed system, so unless it was improperly charged, it shouldn't have acid in it. So next I started watching – if it were truly acid getting into the system, then the it hole would ought to always be in the very bottom of the core. Right. Because that's, that's where the acid is going to sit. And they're not. We started taking cores out, and I would note where the leak was. And sure. it was all over the core. Sure. And so I got an electronic microscope that you can hook to a, a monitor. It's an electronic microscope. It works with a little LED-type thing. Started looking at some of these. And if you look close enough, you will see tiny cracks right at the joints where all these parts come together. Uh-huh. So it's not that an acid or anything is getting the system and eating it up. It's just that this aluminum is going from extremely hot to extremely cold many, time many, many time times. Again. And over the course of 120,000 miles to 140,000 miles, it's going to crack. Sure. Now, when it cracks, it's going to leak. And when it leaks, you got to repair it. And unfortunately, what the manufacturers do in most part, they take this core, they put it inside of a case, they bolt the two halves of the case together with all the doors and actuators and other stuff, they bolt it to the firewall, then they put the dash in on top of it, they put the interior in the car, they put the windshield in and right, all basic, that stuff. Basically, they hang it on a string and build the car around it. Pretty much. What you're saying. Pretty much. Okay. So, the problem is when you go to replace this part, right? It's buried. All that's got to go out in the opposite order. The seats are going to come out. The console is going to come out. The dash is going to come out. Ten to twelve hours in some cases. Yeah, a handful of them you got to take the windshield out. I think yeah, some of the Camaros you yeah. have to actually take the windshield out of the car. Right, to, to I remember get to that. This core. So it's going to be a very expensive thing. I don't know that there's anything you can do to prevent this. It's just one yeah. of those things, and it's maybe something you just want to budget in to the car because. I had a guy not too long ago, good customer, comes in. He's got an older Toyota with a lot of miles on it, but the car's been extremely well-maintained. Mm-hmm. 140K, the evaporator core goes out. So he's looking real hard. Do I want to spend this much money on a car that's old? And I said, well, you're right. The car is older. It does have a lot of miles. The other side of the coin is it's been extremely well-maintained. It's in very good shape. I think this car can go another 100,000 miles mm-hmm. without too much of a problem. So he weighed it out. Gave it some thought, and he decided, okay, yeah, it's probably practical. 
it's going to cost me this many dollars, but if I break that down by the month, it's really a lot less than I can buy another car for. Sure. I like this car. It does everything I want to do. So long as this fix it and there's no other major problems looming, it's worth doing. Sure. So a big repair doesn't mean you have to junk the car, per se. It just means you, you need just to take and think it out a little, right. little bit better. Now, let's say on the other token that the car was was a junker transmission is slipping a little right. bit the brakes are about metal on metal it needs four tires coolant's weak the in coolant's it. weak and yeah. it's got a lot of corrosion in the cooling system yeah. well then it probably get rid wouldn't of that be car. practical yeah just go ahead and trade ahead, in yeah. donate it whatever you're going to do there are cars that are never just not economically feasible to repair exactly a lot of that too depends on the nature of the car had a 2013 ford focus come in right a couple of weeks ago right and this thing has got the most bone-headed transmission <laughs> i've ever seen in my entire life i can't imagine what engineer was, sat down and thought this was a good idea but basically it has two manual transmissions in one case uh-huh one handles first third and fifth the other one handles second fourth and sixth okay two clutches that are electronically activated now this is a automatic transmission right but basically it's two full manual transmissions put together with electric actuators to work the clutches and work all the gears shift all the gears absolutely boneheaded yeah, or dealer told them they didn't want to fool with it right which i understand comes in by the time we priced all the stuff it was more than the car was worth sure and even though it was a 2013 with relatively low mileage i told him my experience with this car is that this is not going to be the end of your problems right if you spend this much money which is probably two-thirds the value of the car it's just going to, uh, the air conditioning going to go out next. Right. And when that goes out, something else is going to go out. It's just not a car that we see a robust going, Yeah, going vehicle. very far. Generally on that car, if you can buy it, keep it 80,000 miles, trade it, you'll be pretty happy be with right. it. Yeah. You'll be all right. But if you're like most people and you have to keep it a longer period of time, that's not a car you want to select. No. That's not a car I would ever make a major, major repair on. Now, let's say it's a Toyota Corolla. Okay, or Toyota Camry. Well, right. that's a car that traditionally goes a long, long, long time. So if you have a big repair, it's probably worth doing. As long as the rest of the, the car is in good, good shape. shape. If I had a Chevy pickup truck. Sure. If I had a 2005 Chevy pickup truck, need a complete air conditioning unit, and everything else is in good shape, I wouldn't hesitate. Not at all. In fact, I've got an 02. I did put an air conditioning in mine. Right. But the truck is an overall very good condition. It's just the age finally got to the thing. The hoses started dry rot, started sure. leaking. So basically everything but the evaporator core had to change on it. Spent quite a bit of money, but it was worth it to me because I couldn't you know, a new truck now is what, forty, fifty yeah, depending on what you're looking at. Sixty thousand dollars depending on what you're looking at. Plus your insurance is going up because well, you gotta yeah. carry full coverage on Plus it. Plus I gotta learn how to drive it all over. <laughs> My old truck, I know how to drive it. You there know? you go. And it does everything I want to do. Right. I, and plus, I am not afraid to throw a bunch of gears or wood or whatever. Whatever I want yeah. in the back of it. Because it's already scratched up. It's already broke in. I said it's hard to do that with a brand new vehicle. You well, know? it is hard for me when I pay that much money for something. I, know, I, don't, right? wanna, I don't want to go do something <laughs> like that with it. So, But yeah, that truck, I hope, will take me to the end of the road. Sure. You know, I'm. At the age I am, I'm hoping that truck will just go on out to be the last truck I have to buy. Look, I'm I'm running an 06 right now, and now I'm in the same situation you are. That's right. I'm going to keep that truck as long as I can. But, again, that is a truck that is traditionally known to be a pretty good truck. Yeah. The one I've got is very simple. It's a little six-solar model, crank-up windows, no, manual door locks. No carpet. No carpet. It's got rubber floor mat, cloth interior, everything yeah. in the truck. It's just not much to break. Right. 
and anything it does break, I can I fix, fix it. Yeah. And it's relatively inexpensive to fix. Sure. You know, it's not like some of the newer cars where they have these $2,000 modules and all that kind of stuff on them, where pretty quick you're going to get to a point where you just spend more money and you can then get you, something else. Right. So whether or not you fix a car when you're faced with a big repair like depends. an evaporator, depends on how much you like the car, number one, does it meet all your needs, the condition of the car, and also the choice of car that you got. Right. All those have to go into that decision. Hey, I see we're completely out of time. Go ahead and get on out of here. Tell everybody much appreciate them listening this morning and every Saturday morning. I'd like to thank all our podcasters for listening this week and every week. Tell your friends, go to your favorite broadcast or rebroadcast service. Find a written review and fill it out for us. There you go. That'll move us up in ranking so more people can listen. And we really appreciate it. Hey, preceding was opinion based on our experience in the automotive industry. Have a great weekend.